public education should not be compulsory because if you want to go to a private school, you should be able to go to a private school. So should education be compulsory? Yes. Education should be compulsory, but that includes homeschooling as well. So do we want them? At absolute, the thing that has set America aside from other countries for a long, long time, we made public education a part of the original plan in the United States. And where other countries said, no, you got to pay for it yourself, you're going to have it, we're fine if you don't get it. In America, we said we wanted a we wanted an educated public because if you're going to govern yourselves, you've got to be educated. Welcome back to the interview podcast on the Y Millbank Podcast Network from Millbank, South Dakota. This is Craig Weinberg. The interviewpodcast.org is the website for this show. You find all the episodes, all the conversations we've had with people from around the world right there. You can also help support the show. We operate under the value value for value model, which says you choose the value you get out of the show. Turn that into dollars and send it our way. We produce the content, put it out to you for no cost. And if you get value out of it, you choose what that is. Another way you can help support the show is just tell more people about it. Get more listeners. Share it out to your circles of influence around the social medias and the wherever else you may reside. Today, we continue in our elected representative series. U.S. Senator Mike Rounds, one of the two senators we have from South Dakota, is here in studio today. It's always fun when we get people to come in studio and have a chat. Uh, Once again, we love the long-form conversation. So uh, where it goes, it goes. Uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Senator Mike Rounds from South Dakota, rounds.senate.gov. Let's jump right into it. Senator Mike Rounds, uh, welcome to the studio. Uh, it's a big honor of mine to have you in, in person today. So, Thanks. Look, I appreciate the opportunity just to visit yeah. with you. and Let's just jump into it. Awesome. Uh, the last time we talked was May, I think, 8th of 2020. Um, since then, uh, some big changes happened in your life. How you doing? Your wife passed yeah, away from cancer. Yeah, I lost Jean in in no- November of last year. Um, you know, and that's always you know a really tough deal. And you don't know how you're really doing, but I've got really good support. Uh, my team members, uh, my family, mm-hmm. uh, grandkids. I've got four kids and ten grandkids, and they're all within five miles of me back in Fort Pier. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm like most other senators. I'm in, in Washington, DC for three nights every week, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. Then you come back home and you're in South Dakota for Friday. And then Saturday, Sunday, you get ready to head back and Monday morning, you're back on the road again. But it, it, you know, it allows you to kind of have, you know, some normalcy for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And then you go back into the crazy stuff going on in DC, but we, we've got good relations there as well. And yeah. Yeah, one thing that I think at a time like this where there is so much talk about the difference between Republicans and Democrats in the Senate, we actually get along pretty well. I mean, on a personal basis, we know each other, we visit, we actually do lunches or dinners together. And, um, you know, and we talk about issues. Now we're a long ways apart Mm -hmm. when it comes to some of the, the issues that divide us, but in terms of one another, we actually get along fairly well. Is there a way to make that translate to, um, to less vitriol from from the public's view? Because what we see is obviously based on what the media tells us. You hit um, it on the head. Yeah. So how, how do we 
how do you change the perception of the reality of what goes on when you're on the ground in D.C. in, DC, in the Senate? Well, to begin with, remember, the media wants excitement and they want <laughs> something that catches attention yeah. because the media is there to, to sell advertising. Mm-hmm. And it's boring to have people come in and say, well, we're working day to day on a be particular happy. thing. And, <laughs> you know, we've got our we've got our, yeah. our sleeves rolled up and we're just going to work our way through an issue. Mm-hmm. They want to see the they want to see the excitement. They want to see the accusation. They want to see the denial. They want to see the back and forth because that's exciting. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't necessarily make for good government. And, you know, the founding fathers really did figure out that if you get people together and you have a common purpose and there's something that either a common enemy um, or a common goal, you can work through and find your way. And th- that's, I think, the thing that made Ronald Reagan so special to many of us was here was a guy that he wasn't going to change his principles. Mm-hmm. And yet he was not an adversary to people. Everybody thought of him, I think, as a friend or at least a person who you could talk to and who was a decent human being. And that made it easier for people to feel comfortable. Even if they disagreed with his views on some things, they saw him as a good person. Yeah. And, and and that that doesn't sell in the media today. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. Um, the last time we talked, it was right at the beginning stages of the government's <clears throat> shutdowns and controls based on uh, the COVID information that they were working from. What lessons have we learned in the last two years? Well, I think CDC is still announcing that they've learned some lessons kind of hard. Number one, you should not shut down your states. <laughs> Second of all, you shouldn't shut down your businesses. Um, you should continue to provide services. You should accelerate the use of vaccines as quickly as you can, but you have to be able to share with people the good uh, that the vaccine can do and not make not make it a political issue. Well, was that oversold, the vaccine? Because right now it's coming out that the, the reality of it is it didn't do what they told us it was going to do, which was keep you from getting it and keep you from spreading it. That, that's turned out to not be the case. Yeah, I, I think in a way it was oversold, but I, I think it was perhaps more along the lines of not telling the whole story each time they would share it. Was that because it turned political? Uh, perhaps, but also just because of disorganization uh, within CDC itself. Mm. And they were trying to get information out so fast, but sometimes the information may not have been vetted appropriately. I think that's part <laughs> of what they learned. Mm-hmm. Um, the, these vaccines, I remember when we when we pushed hard to, to do the moonshot on the vaccines and we just decided, you know what, until we get vaccines out, we're going to have this problem. And we pushed a huge amount of money out into vaccine development uh, and and it worked. We were able to develop a number of vaccines very, very shortly. But part of the issue was is it was going to then be a, a fix-off for everything. And that's not what it turned out to be. But, but that's what we were sold, wasn't it? Like, that's what we were told is once we get this, oh, my goodness, the world's going to open back up, everything is normal again. And that just n- did not happen to be true. Well, it could have, though, because here's the, the difference. Um, I, I've had the vaccine. I've had the follow-up vaccine. And I've had two boosters. Um, I'm out and about all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have COVID. Mm-hmm. If I did catch COVID, I probably wouldn't have any symptoms for it. And even if I had symptoms, they wouldn't put me in the hospital. That's what they should have shared as being the most accurate data on the vaccines. It will save your life, and it will stop you from a three-week stay in a hospital in a ventilator. Is it hard to actually make that claim like as a, as a affirmative claim, like this is what it will do? Is it difficult to do that with during, during the time in which During the time in which it was being developed and first introduced, I think they had hoped that it might also stop it from spreading. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think what they found was is being able to significantly reduce this virus 
um, uh, was harder than what than what they thought it would be, and the ability of the virus to mutate was quicker than what I think they thought it would be. The good news, though, is, is even with the mutations, these vaccines still worked in a way in which people are not going to the hospital and they're not dying at the rate that they were before. And I think in those states where they decided, oh, no, we can't let anybody with, with, with COVID do anything, that shut things down and mm-hmm. it made people more dependent on government programs. Now, in some states, that's a desired outcome. In places like South Dakota, that's not a desired <laughs> right. outcome. I mean, we want people to go back to yeah. work. But even now, in some areas, they're telling people to shut down, you know, and you can't have your business open, and that's just crazy. What you need to do is to say, look, we're going to live with this, but please get your vaccines, because if you get your vaccines, even if you catch it, you're not going to die from it, and, and, and you're not going to end up in a ventilator from it. Well, but you well, can go about your daily life. Right, but hasn't it kind of been, been shown around the world that even without the vaccine, the chances of you dying from it are very slim anyway? So so what, what's the purpose of, of no, making I, that the only option? I, no, I, I don't think that's an accurate statement because we know that when we first started talking about this, that the mortality rate would be real close to about five times greater than what the flu was. I think if you look back at it, I think we're pretty close to that number. So the mortality rate is greater than flu and it, it, it is real. But the other part of it is not just the mortality rate. It's the rate at which people would have to go in and inundate the hospitals. And for a period of time, we had people in the hospitals to the point where the hospitals couldn't handle the, the other normal surgeries and illnesses that came up. And I, and I think we have to recognize where that was at. Once we started putting the vaccines in, we're not inundating the hospitals anymore. And, and, and I, now some people will say, well, wouldn't that have happened naturally? Um, yeah, but to get there naturally, you would have lost more people. You would have had more people die. No, but that, that's an assumption, that though, right? Well, I, what I do know is, is that once we got the vaccines in place, I don't think it was a mistake or I don't think it was an accident that clearly the evidence is there that we don't have as many people dying now as what we did before. And we clearly don't have the number of people in the hospitals as what we did before. Why was there such a push to not talk about adverse reactions to, to the treatment for COVID? Well, I'm not sure what the adverse reactions are that are within the vaccines. Well, um, well, th- there's a lot. I just listened to a, a report from uh, New Zealand uh, where there's a uh, one of their top doctors there is actually coming out and he's, he's basically being shut down because he is he's laying out um, evidence and data that he's he's gotten that is directly impact after the vaccines people um, are dying more more than they should be more than typical mm-hmm. and so he's whistleblowing mm-hmm. for lack of a better word um, and in America I know I um, had a conversation where we were reading um, statements from Dr. Fauci, statements from the Sanford in Sioux Falls, the Sanford chief medical officer um, on a podcast, and that got removed by YouTube because it was apparently misinformation. Because we, we were reading their direct quotes, and we also read quotes from other equally credentialed medical professionals. I mean, Dr. Scott Jensen, who's running for Minnesota governor right now, um, he's been on this show. He's been removed from most social medias because he has <clears throat> had the courage, some would say, to say what he has seen directly. Um, why has there been 
a push to not accept that there may be some some negative side effect to this. Because, I mean, the reality is this vaccine is, it's a new product we've never seen in, in humans. We've never used in humans ever. They've tried it for 20 years for AIDS and it never worked. So what's the, why hasn't there been a, an actual, we don't know if this is actually going to work fully, but we just want to try. Well, wouldn't that be a better I, message? I don't think we could go that far uh, by saying we don't know if it's going to work and we've tried it. A lot of the work that started out on this started back in 2002, 2003. Yeah, working on AIDS. Yeah, Mm -hmm. trying to find a path forward. So a a lot of the the data and the details surrounding it, we've got pretty good data on. In this particular case, when we talked about a very quick movement to try to discover or try to find um, vaccines that would work, I think if they would have simply said, look, it's a vaccine, but we're going to call it a shot, kind of like a flu shot, Mm -hmm. and you're going to have to update it. I think they would have been a lot better off. Now, I, I get a flu shot every year. doesn't mean I'm not going to get the flu, but it does mean that I'm probably going to have a significantly reduced amount of, of problems with the flu. But, and, but you also aren't told that if you get the flu shot, you will not get this and you will not pass it on. Yeah. Like, and, correct? And I, and I think that's part of the, the issue mm-hmm. that, that they probably didn't do a very good job of talking about. If they would have said, look, we're, we're going to have a, a COVID shot and a COVID shot is going to reduce significantly whatever you're going to yeah. have. And it's probably going to stop you from dying. And you're probably going to have to have a booster. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of the data that we got when we were talking about it from the beginning was very similar to that. So there was a consistency in terms of what we were being told. Yeah, but that didn't go to the public, though. Well, that never came out here. And and that's the part that I think, you know, the the point should be made. I don't think the information Mm -hmm. was inaccurate, but I'm not sure that it was shared. And I think that's part of what the CDC is saying now is, is we (laughs) learned some, yeah, we we learned some lessons here about that. And so- but in, but in terms of what our expectation was mm-hmm. and the material that they gave us, it was a pretty good consistency from what they told us, even mm. when it was first starting. And once they told us that they thought they could come up with this, because we asked questions like, okay, so you're going to have to have a booster shot. You're going to have to have this once a year. And they said, we can't say no to that. It may end up that way, but we know it's here. And what we don't know is you know, how often mm-hmm. or how quickly this will mutate into something else. But if it's the same thing, and it's just been a matter of how long it takes for that for that shot to wear mm-hmm. off. But we've seen mutations here, and the mutations have um, it's still it's still very similar to what it was before. And the fact that you've got a vaccine, number one, and then a number two that first time around, and then two boosters. Uh, I mean, I I travel back and forth to D.C. all the time, and I'm in with a lot of people. And there's other folks within the within the Senate Republican conference. We all went and got boosted in the whole bit, hoping that we wouldn't have symptoms of COVID. And so far, the vast vast majority of us have been successful in in avoiding it. The president didn't. So, no, <laughs> neither did Fauci. But then again, they're testing every day to see if there's to to see if there's any chance that they have the the uh, the uh, the you know the or the the virus. Mm-hmm. But having the virus and having and having impact from the virus could be two different things. Absolutely. But, they're, they're but, but they were absolutely impacted, yeah. and they talked about it. But it's kind of like, okay, we're going to test every day. Mm-hmm. Some people test, and they go, oh, they tell me I've got it, but I don't feel sick. Right, yeah. You know. yeah. So wh- what can you do as um, representatives and senators <clears throat> in Congress to put some safeguards in place that we don't have this same knee-jerk reaction that happened, that, that really did harm the economy greatly? Yeah, I, I think, number one— um, just exactly what you said to, to be, I mean, you don't have to shut down your businesses. Don't do the knee jerk. Oh no, 
Well, yeah. Right. But but the second part on it is is believe that if you actually can get a vaccine in place, um, have the ability to actually manufacture that vaccine once it's been proven as quickly as possible and to get it out into the system as quickly as possible. Should it ever be mandated by law? The only time it to, should be- To get a, a, a shot. No, no, but I don't think you can stop employers from saying, if you're going to be employed by me, you need to get it. And, and the best example is, number one, the military. Um, they take all sorts of vaccines. They, I mean, mm-hmm. and if they're not going to take yellow fever, if they're going over, they can't go. And, and you have to have a military which is prepared. We saw what happened to one of our ships when- when the whole ship caught the COVID and they basically had to shut down the ship and bring it back out of duty. So you can't have that. Weren't they all vaccinated at that point? No, Hmm. no. And they caught it. It was before the vaccines were in place and suddenly they got the whole ship down. So when, when, when they actually come back in, in terms of the vaccines themselves, if they can get them in get them accelerated and then make them available, um, I want to see them made available as quickly as possible with, what the expectations of the outcome being, keep you out of the hospital, uh, keep you from dying. But should, you should there be stuff. safety testing done to verify that it's not going to actually harm well, you, on, on a long-term basis, harm harm the, the military fighting force? Because the reality is we have no idea what's going to happen to all these military members you, you, in 10 years, right? But, but remember, if you waited 10 years to mm-hmm. test it, it's probably too late. If you're not going to put it out for ten years, so so is the possible risk that you would lose a portion of your fighting force if this thing doesn't quite do what you thought it would? Is that worth it? We think it is at this point. And in other words, if you if you take away the ability of the commander in chief or the commanders to say we need to have you get this vaccine because you're going to be leaving, you're going to be on the front lines, we need you to get this, and you say I don't want to get it, and they say wait. You're taking the other vaccines right now. What's the reason why you won't take this one? Yeah, this one's brand new and and and, and well, a new technology that's never been used before. W- wouldn't that be an appropriate argument? Well, except it's not new anymore. It, it's new got, in human use. Well, but it's not new now because we've got literally billions of these out there right now. <laughs> so we had a now, forced can, human trial, well, kind of? The other alternative to it would have been we have this vaccine. We have a high probability that works very well, but we're not going to use it because we don't know if it works very well. And then you would have had people dying in the income. And, and, and there's a trade-off. Do you allow people to get that vaccine? Or do you say, no, we're going to let people continue to die because we don't have an ironclad absolute certainty that nothing could go wrong with it. And the decision was made to the best of our ability. This vaccine is a better alternative than letting people continue to die and letting people continue to go on the... the uh, you know, into the hospitals and be on life support. And then so, that was based on what the, the companies making this said, basically. Best practices, correct? not so much just on what they said. They had to have clear evidence of what it was in clinical trials that were peer-reviewed. So, and this is where, you know, CDC can do some really dumb things, <laughs> but, and, and their communications is not the best, but we really do have a pretty good, pretty good handle on how we handle the, the, review of drugs and vaccines. The bottom line on this is, is are we better off because we have vaccines today that are in the population or should we have waited and held them up even today and said, no, we just, we, we just don't know. Wring our hands and say, we just don't know if this will work or not. So we're not going to put them out. I think that's a mistake. I think we've proven that we've actually been able to open up for the States that wanted to. This has really made it available for our economy to come back very, very well in the red States that actually opened up again. 
So it, it feels like that that's a difficult claim to make, that it's that if we hadn't have done this, then we would be, I mean, we'd be in hell. It'd just be horrible right now. So, you know, that, that's mm-hmm. something that I think historians are going to, that's going to be borne out in the, in the books as they get written over the next 50 years. Oh, yeah. All day long. Um, should anyone be held responsible at, at, at a, a real, like, really held responsible? I don't know about it, criminally, but, but should someone be punished for the unwillingness to not be honest about the unknowns of this treatment going forward? And, and I mean, across the board, I mean, all of it. You know, early on, if you mentioned ivermectin or you mentioned um, hydroxychloroquine, you literally got banned from most societies. Like, who are you, crazy person? You don't believe we, we live on our, you're a flat earther. You, we didn't go to the, all kinds of things that you got lumped in with just by mentioning a couple words. Um, should someone be held accountable for being so? I think the same kind of accountability should go both ways. <clears throat> If you're telling people not to take a vaccine that has pretty clear evidence and have some clinical trials on it, if you have that and you're telling people don't use that but use another alternative that may not have had near the amount of scrutiny but is now the current, you know, favored approach that is something other than the vaccine, accountability should go both ways. And so someone who is putting information out about a new alternative that maybe hasn't been uh, clinically tested or proven, um, and to tell people to use this other alternative rather than one that the CDC says is the best that they can come up with, as long as you have the accountability going both ways, I think that's fair. If you're trying to say that individuals can say publicly, no, this is the one that I really think is it, but my data is is limited, but I really believe it's the right thing to do, and they're convincing people not to take another alternative, I think they've got some accountability there as well. CDC should have accountability to make sure that they're doing everything they can to get good information out. But others who have a different point of view should have the same type of accountability. Uh, I, I want to move on because I don't yeah. want to take the whole time. In no, this. Okay. And I pr- appreciate your uh, being willing to talk through this because I think it's important to kind of get the thought process behind all of yeah. these things. You know, look, we're going to have, I mean, and you're wondering who's responsible for this? Like, I, I really think this came out of a lab in China. I really do. I think it got out on them. I don't think it was intentional, but I think it got out. And I think it got in, into their population so quickly, and they didn't know what to do. And once it got out, they did everything they could as a police state to stop it, and they couldn't stop it. And they couldn't stop it because they'd have to talk about it. And when it got out of China and it got into the rest of the world, it was too late. And then all they could do was deny it. I, I really do believe it, it It came out of that lab. That's my personal opinion. It, it, it seems like it. Uh, evidence tends to point that way. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but, you know, going back to the the other treatments that were being talked mm-hmm. about, that got banned. In reality, if I put this show on YouTube today, because I said those two words, um, it would get pulled because that is their absolute rule. It's written in black and white. If you say, if you even mention these specific treatments. And what, what the thing that I'd like, yeah, that's Just amazing. I, 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 I had not, I had not heard it that. It blew before. my mind because yeah. I didn't know it either until yeah. they said, "Oh, here's you've got to have rule. an open dialogue." You well, know, you, you got to be able to talk about these things. And isn't then, science questioning everything? Well, technically, is that what sh- science is? You, you should be able to always look at alternatives, but then you need to be able to look at the big picture on it and provide credibility. Right. And yeah. then suddenly, sometimes you're weighing credibility, which mm-hmm. is more credible. 
And you might have two right answers. You never know. Mm-hmm. But you got to weigh the credibility. Right. Um, but like ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, they've been used for decades in millions and mil- billions of people around the world. So th- there's a ton of, of evidence that shows that these are used properly safe in humans because there's literally decades worth of, of history with this. Um, to say that you shouldn't be able to talk about that or use that or even say anything about it, but we would rather you only talk about this thing that literally has been out for months at the time, yeah. uh, only with no long-term data. To, to me, that, that, that feels like there shouldn't be the same amount of, yeah. of accountability because of that. No, the only thing on it is, though, is remember, we know that this virus kills, don't we? And if you've got one that you have CDC, a, a known source, saying, mm-hmm. look, this will stop you from dying from this, but you've got another one out there that says this other product is safe. It's just like sugar water. But we want you to take this other as an alternative. Mm-hmm. You should have the accountability because you might very well be giving them bad advice that could cost them three weeks in the hospital if it doesn't actually take care of the virus. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do think you have to talk about, about accountability on both sides. But everything should be on the table. Yeah, yeah, okay. no. But that, credibility that, is still important. Right. Yeah. Uh, what did COVID re- reveal? The, again, I'm going to say COVID. I mean the response to it, the yeah. government shutdown of things. What did it reveal about our public education system? A need for more. A need to be able to talk about science. Um, but what? it also what? about Are science. Are you a biologist? Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and, and the other piece of this is, is not everything has to be political, mm. although some of your decisions that are being made are political. But if you take a look at red states versus blue states, mm-hmm. uh, states in which there, there were organizations or larger states where they wanted to control who was open, how long they were open, because they feared the ability of individuals to make an appropriate decision. Mm-hmm. I think they have really held back the economy in, in the United States. Red states said, look, we're open for business. We're going to take it. We're going to handle it. Um, you know, We're not going to say no to vaccines or anything, but we're also not going to shut down our economy. We can't shut down the economy and then expect people to just you know be at home that that hurts too yeah same with the schools i'm really i think it really hurt our education system to have kids not in school during that time period and i once you had vaccines available that you had a high probability would keep people out of the hospital i think we should have pushed to get kids back into school much more quickly than what we did and i and i wish we would have would have provided vaccines earlier to the kids as well to, as an as an option just to make sure that you know, for those kids that were, were most at risk, they could get in and get those vaccines as quickly as possible. Mandated or not? No. Just just no. available? Yep. Make it available. Yep. <clears throat> um, should public education be compulsory? Should public education be compulsory? No. No. Public education should not be compulsory because if you want to go to a private school, you should be able to go to a private school. So should education be compulsory? Yes. Education should be compulsory. But that includes homeschooling as well. So do we want them? At absolute, the thing that has set America aside from other countries for a long, long time, we made public education a part of the original plan in the United States. And where other countries said, no, you got to pay for it yourself. You're going to have it. We're fine if you don't get it. In America, we said we wanted, a, we wanted an educated public because if you're going to govern yourselves, you've got to be educated. Mm. But second of all, if you have an educated public, you're going to do good things. And, and, and you're going to have new opportunities, but you're going to allow people to learn how to think critically, how to question, how to read, how to write, how to do your mathematics, how to be a business person, how to respond, how to be a good consumer. 
all of those are very important. And so um, I don't want any of our kids to grow up and then say, gee, I wish my mom and dad would have let me go to school. Mm. This is a case of where when you grow up, you need to be able to read. You need to be able to write. You, you need to understand your civics. And we've got a real shortcoming <laughs> with regard to the civics yeah. in this country as well. Yeah. I mean, on both sides, mm-hmm. we've got a real shortcoming on, on, on local government, uh, state government, the federal government, who is responsible for what and so forth. And, and you've got to have an educated public. I firmly believe in a strong education system. We have a, a, a bottom age limit for president, 35. Why don't we have a top age limit for president? Well, to begin with, because it was never put in the Constitution oh, to begin right. with. Okay. So should we? Let's change. You know, should we have a top age limit? I'm not sure. Um, I know some folks right now who are 85, 86 years old mm-hmm. who could definitely do the job as president of the United States. <laughs> I know some people that are 66, 67 years old who you would not want exactly. to be the president right. of the United States. And some 30-year-olds that probably would be dynamite. Oh, yeah. But just learning, mm-hmm. I mean, I like the idea of having a little bit of life experience before you step into a position such as the president of the United States. Um that extra time to get that really does help. And uh, 35 is fine with me. I, I think the founding fathers were were seriously considering the fact that you wanted someone with with, with, with some life some history. Life. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Should we put? Should we institute a top at some level? <sighs> should an 85 year old be? And again, I I'm totally with you. I know yeah. some that are sharp as a tack. You know, it, it always seems strange that we tell the American public that. We don't like who they chose. And, you know, these decisions, these discussions happen if we end up with a person that's of a particular age. Mm-hmm. And then we, we're questioning whether the American public made the right choice. Um, they, the, two pe- the two people they had in the last election were both old people. Mm-hmm. And uh, how they ever got to that point in the first place is probably more of a question than anything else. You know, that is a great where, where are the younger right? people on that, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so I, I don't know that you necessarily Term limits, perhaps? And, well, we do <laughs> have that in the presidency. And, Correct. And, and yeah. we do have that in most executive branches. But here's the deal. I'm, I know we're getting close to timing mm-hmm. on this, but I'm just remember, that. That's fine. <laughs> me, um, people that represent the individuals, mm-hmm. our, our, our House members, our Senate members, and so forth, they come in, and one of the biggest challenges they have is arguing with and trying to get a hold of a bureaucracy mm. that doesn't leave. And the, bureauc- the, the bureaucracy doesn't have a term limit. And so regardless if you're talking a state legislative body or a national legislative body, we have more of a challenge fighting with a bureaucracy that is there for an extended period of time. And until such time as we're prepared to say, if you're going to work in government, you're only going to be there for so long, and then you're going to have to leave. Until we do that, you don't want your elected leaders to be at at a disadvantage in terms of knowledge and experience compared to the bureaucrat who is there to snow them every chance they get. And I saw it in state government, and I see it at the federal level as well. I don't think you necessarily want to say, get really good in a particular area and get all the knowledge, but then you have to leave on a voluntary basis, but we leave the, the bureaucrat in place. That's an interesting thought. Mm-hmm. I, I'd be up for kicking them up too. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, we have just a couple of minutes left. Uh, I, again, want to thank you for doing this. This is, uh, it's always fun to have mm-hmm. these chats. Um, <clears throat> what's your favorite game meat to eat? Probably pheasant. Mm. Does it matter how it's cooked? Yeah. Um, I like my, matter of fact, uh, one, of the, one of the best is, is we cube it 
the pheasant, yeah. present breast. We'll cube it, and then we'll wrap it with bacon. And then <laughs> wait, you hold put on. A, and now so wait, you're eating no, bacon. No, no, is no, that what no, you're no, saying? Oh, no, wait a minute. No, no, no. <laughs> and then you put a jalapeno with it, mm-hmm. and um, we like to grill them. Oh, that sounds uh, good. It really is. As a matter of fact, most of the pheasant that, that we eat now doesn't make it to the dinner table. It's all in the hors d'oeuvre tray beforehand. Fantastic. <laughs> Oh, this is something I've been throwing yeah. at all the politicians that I can. Uh, why in the world in South Dakota do we require a front license plate? Good question, because I tried to get rid of it when you I was did? governor. Oh, yes. for crying out loud. We need to make, that's outrageous. I, I agree with you, and, and I'll tell you what happens. Law enforcement comes back in and says, oh no, we use those all the time. Then they should talk to Florida, I, Texas, I agree with you. Kansas. I'm, they do it. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I, I would vote for it tomorrow. Oh, good. You know what? I'll write you down. Great. All right. <laughs> uh, mountains or plains? Um, I like the plains. I mean, I mountains are great once in a while. I like the plains. Bugs Bunny or Wiley E. Coyote? <laughs> Bugs Bunny. Oh, interesting. The Jackrabbits. <laughs> <laughs> Senator Mike Rounds, thanks again for coming in. Uh, what's your website for people to find where you're at and what you're doing? Oh, golly, here. Let me get it out for you here once. Because I think I've got like three different ones. So I'm going to pull it here real quick. Uh, rounds.senate.gov rounds.senate.gov wonderful I know you have to run thank you again for taking the time uh, to sit down with me I hope we can do it again sounds good to me thank you thanks Mike for hanging out with us for the last few minutes I know you had to had to run we were a little crunched on time but it's always fun to have the our elected uh, officials come in and talk directly to the people so thank you so much for taking the time uh, to give us today on your trip into uh, into Millbank, South Dakota. Rounds.senate.gov for more information. Theinterviewpodcast.org if you want to help support this show. Also, remember, you can tell more people about it, and that is a wonderful help. Everything we get is much appreciated and welcomed. Thanks a lot. We will see you next time. Have a great day. <laughs>